I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help the podcast. Hey, welcome to This Might Help with Matt Bronger, the uh, advice podcast that's uh, based on fun. If you have a clinical problem, you need to talk to a professional. I ain't the one. Neither are my guests. But we might help. Who knows? Uh, appreciate you listening, all the likes and the subscribes and all that jazz. And for people calling in, I know it's not easy to call and not leave your messages up. Is that somebody's phone? <laughs> but if you do call in, I really love you and I appreciate you. Thanks guys so much. Today, I have a guest who I don't know well, but we've worked together and I know he's super funny. And uh, put it this way, still waters run deep. Josh Johnson, everybody. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for coming on. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, you bet. You bet. Yeah, you're a, you're a, you're a cool dude, man. Um, you have a, a kind of a kind of quiet reserve about you on stage that I really enjoy. Um, oh, thanks, thanks. It, uh, it's panic. <laughs> I think I think maybe I show mine more than you. I, <laughs> I think I definitely uh, flail and I'm and I get loud and stuff and I'm a little more uh, uh, expressive of that id, you know. But um, yeah, were you? Uh, do you do you think of yourself as someone with a lot of anxiety? Do you feel like you are? Yeah, and I think that it depends on both the joke and the the general topic because sometimes it's like if you if you have a resting state of calm, then whenever you it's almost like swearing. Like it's like if you almost never do it and then you finally do it, it's not just funnier, it like is more pointed because you're like, "Wow, he's really worked up. He's never like this." So, you know, I try to have that sort of ebb and flow of like always come back down and go back up sometimes and then come back down. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think that for the most part, you're I think maybe you might be the fourth person to think that I'm cool. <laughs> so I, that means a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I just think you you keep your cards close to your chest, which is which is like a, a way to it, it even if you're unintentionally doing it you come on off as cool and not in a forced way do you know what i'm oh. saying oh thank goodness <laughs> yeah 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 you know you seem comfortable with yourself that's kind of all i mean it's like I, I was thinking about it today where i was i just, I just drove three hours from bend oregon to medford oregon i'm doing a show here tonight and i was i was just had like one of those you know stitching on a pillow thoughts where i was like I'd, I'd rather be happy than cool like so much more i i yeah yeah, yeah. Given up on being cool i think i had like a a, uh, a Trans Am big wheel when I was a kid with like a Firebird mm -hmm. on it, and I think that's when I peaked. I think that was like the epitome of my cool. Like I was never. Yeah, you know, yeah. That that is a Trans Am big wheel is like what a what a <laughs> what a dope way to describe what being a cool kid was like because because <laughs> I I forgot that that was like balling back in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like it was. I had that peak until a, a kid showed up with like a green machine which like green machine was like at the time was like a big big wheel 2.0 like the new it was bigger it was faster you know you could spin out easier stuff like that like i don't mm -hmm. know like it wasn't even called a big wheel anymore it was like it was like oh i don't big uh, i have a green machine like, oh yeah like yeah the yeah of that yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> like a green machine was like 
it, it's it's such a oh that it really hurts when language changes because that's <laughs> when you know you're behind so like yeah. like if you're it like especially let's say you grew up without any money so you didn't have any money when you were a kid mm. and it's like the fact that you use different words is like guys so so uh when i was little i mm. you know we couldn't always afford goldfish like the snack goldfish sure? crackers right so i would eat dolphins and other kids were like what are you talking about but dolphins were the dollar store goldfish oh wow yeah i didn't even know what you meant yeah but no but nobody did so oh. then i was like oh that's how you know that you don't have it like that like yeah <laughs> not yeah. only not cool you're not even regular like mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i remember a kid having um like you know they're always those knockoff sneakers that like you know nike would like you know, two K's or something. And like, uh, this kid had a, had like, it was Adidas, but they weren't, they had like a, a an extra stripe, like a fourth stripe. And mm. this kid, like that I went to school with was like, looked at me, he was like, what are those man, Abibas? And like, that was like, everyone was just like clowning yeah. him. And it's that thing where it's like, God, we were so harsh making yeah. fun of a kid that's poor. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also it's like, because when you're a kid, there's no, first of all, there's almost no hierarchy that you don't create because you're all right. kids. So you all mm -hmm. can't drive. You all aren't cool. You all right. don't have any money or things. So even if your parents have money, you don't have money. Yeah. You're in the fourth grade. But mm -hmm. then if you, if you amongst your little ecosystem can create a hierarchy, then you pull your feelings from that, you know? Yes. Yeah. Status is, is, is enormous. And yeah. And because you're such an, you know, an emotional sponge that to be ostracized is like the worst thing ever where you'll even ostracize someone else so that you don't get ostracized. It's pretty, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty animal kingdom when you're, when you're a kid. And, and, uh, I mean, I have a one-year-old daughter and I just, I, I, we put her in daycare and I was like, God, I hope she just, I hope everyone gets along with her. So like now, like, the kid, you, I'll drop her off and the kids will be like, hi, Rose. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm like happy, like the rest of the day. I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. And you can also, you can also always, it's never too young to teach them how to fist fight because I feel like that also really helps the social hierarchy of like, sure. wait, what did you say? What mm -hmm. did you say? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> even, even like, because the fights, you know, like fights as a grown man are horrifying. Because it's mm -hmm. like, when do they end? What, mm -hmm. you know, until one guy kills the other guy. It's like, this yeah. guy's not going to stop getting up. And like, you can actually hurt someone with adult bodies. Little yeah. kid bodies, they punch a couple times and they cry and they fall down and then they're friends again. And it's like, okay. And I'm not, I'm not pro-violence at all, but it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the amount of, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I will tell Rose as soon as she understands, like if someone gets in your face and mess with you, just give them a shot. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, yeah. you're going to hit someone, you be the first, you, you, you punch them right in the mouth. Yeah. yeah. You really, you really just got to teach her the right stance. Cause it's all in the legs, you know, yeah, all the legs. and so then yeah. if she just knows how to follow through, she'll be like the little Tyson of her first grade class because kids don't have the because they don't have the motor skills they don't have the follow-through no, so the no. kids kids when they swing you know the closest thing you remember dark knight rises right of course yeah okay you know what hurt my feelings so much about bane beating up batman in dark knight rises sure. is that he beat him up like a little kid 
Yeah. So so they fought like little kids. So like Batman was trying to come through with form, with like nice like round punches and everything. Yeah. And yeah. Bay Bay was just pure strength. He would just yep. pick him up, shake him, throw him down, just and then yeah. and then he like let him hit him and then punch him a yeah. real good one. It's just it was it was like watching two eight year olds with bigger bodies. Yeah. And the one and the one eight year old is his like his one of his parents is a boxer, you know, so just taught yeah. him. And and he like lifts like milk jugs at home, like doesn't even he can't really lift weights yet, but he's still he has more muscular definition than a kid should have, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, oof. Nothing to Bane does look like a ripped toddler. Like he, he does. Because the thing is First of all, we have to we have to start acknowledging and talking about little kids with big necks because yeah. that's that's like a football player in the making. Mm -hmm. And like only football coaches ever seem to talk about it, but there's just kids who have like naturally thick necks where I'm like, guys, that that we should we should teach him now. Yeah, to <laughs> like be kind. all the, all the yeah. morals and stuff because mm -hmm. he's going to be too strong by yes. accident. He's not yeah. going to be do he's he's not even going to mean to, but he's going to be flipping tables by accident. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I got really tall, very young and I, you know, like I couldn't control my leverage. Sometimes I would jokingly push someone and they'd go pinwheeling into the street, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. it was like, oh, oh no, you know, and you feel like Frankenstein, but it's, you have to, you have to learn your body. I mean, I was reading a whole article about, like, I started doing comedy with Kumail and like, now that he's so ripped, like he's, you know, he like, he like had to psychologically adjust to his body that he mm -hmm. had to, you know, build for that role that he in, mm -hmm. the, in the movie and the other roles he's doing and stuff. Um, so it's fascinating how, you know, your physicality can change. Like, I mean, I used to weigh 40 pounds more than I do now. And my mobility is is so much better than it was, you know, when I was 10 years younger, which is mm -hmm. wild. You know, yeah. you've always been a pretty slim person. Yeah. 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 I've always had the build. The only thing, the only change is that before the and there's almost no proof so i guess believe me if you want to believe me but before yeah. the pandemic i was actually like a good 15 pounds of muscle more than i am now so mm -hmm. i was still slim like you could even call me skinny but i had like a real physique finally yeah. and then the pandemic hit and like a, li a little bit of depression and a little bit of not having a proper gym. It's like you can only do push-ups and and like squats so much to maintain, right. but yeah. I've lost a significant amount of muscle and weight. So I've always been the size that I am at this moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's and I think that's really common. I was I was in a I did a, a benefit show for these these two guys. They're both veterans, and one guy was uh, in Afghanistan and saw a lot of action. And he came back and he gained a lot of weight. And we went out for a beer after the show, and um, he was like, "Yeah, you know, I I really feel." He was knocking himself for gaining all this weight. He's like, "I just you know without you know the training I used to have every week, and and when I was in the service, it's like I just kind of fell by the wayside." And I was like, "Dude, that's okay." I mean, you got to take care of yourself and you should work out for your health, but it's beating up on yourself is not going to help anything. You going, yeah. oh, I, I hate myself and I'm so stupid or whatever, you know, not that you're doing that, but it's like, yeah. I think everybody had a mental breakdown on some level during the pandemic. Absolutely.
And it's also, I found, I can only speak for myself, but I found that for me, it's beating up on yourself is also a sidestepping tactic to still not do the thing. Because while you're beating up on yourself, you kind of feel better about acknowledging how bad you're being, but you're still not doing the thing. Right. So, so, So if I'm like, oh man, you know, I should really work on my project. And then I'm like, man, I spent the whole day not working on my, pro- I'm still not working on the, pro- like I'm totally. still doing the same thing, but yeah. now I'm making myself feel better because I'm like, man, at least I know what a piece of trash I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At least I'm honest with myself here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you, how, how is your, uh, like work schedule, uh, doing like, do you get things done during the day? Cause I, I for me, it comes and goes. Yeah, you know what it is, is that the entirety of the time that I've been doing comedy, and maybe one day it'll change, but I don't know if it will, is that I have found that, you know, I I work at Daily Show, and so I get all that stuff done during the day, and then I go out and do shows at night, so there's like this like two, three hour period of like almost downtime to a certain degree, where, you know, I'm not at a show and I'm not at the show, and and in that time, sometimes I write and stuff, but I find that my writing and getting stuff done in a sense is it ebbs and flows with um, inspiration. So it's like I obviously know how to write jokes. So I could just sit and write jokes for 20, 30 minutes every day. I don't mm-hmm. know if I would like them or keep them because the things that I really chew on and, and overwrite almost are ideas that I had that I think I'm really interested in. Like, um, mm-hmm. like even today, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine. Um, and you know he's he's got two kids, and yeah. so you know I asked him because we hadn't talked on the phone in like a month, and so I asked him like how's everything been with the kids, and he was telling me everything that he was doing, and he's like a really good dad, you know, like just like a good dude that's also a good dad. Sometimes it's like, sometimes they're they're we we treat them as if they have to be linked, and they're not necessarily linked. Like they're no, good, yeah. they're good people that are you know. Um, and so he's a good dude and a good dad. And I was like, man, you know, what is crazy is that we think that a good dad is someone that's like present and, and just like there and supportive all the time. And I think that there's actually a different type of good dad that we, that we, we call him a deadbeat, but what if he knows he's like, guys, I'm trash. If I'm in this kid's life, I'm gonna ruin him. So let me go ahead and peace out now. Like, let me, let me step out now so that yeah. they, cause guys, listen, listen, I have a kid, but I'm also an alcoholic. So yeah. maybe I shouldn't be that. You know? So it's like, sure. you see all these celebrities with like deadbeat dads. And it's like, maybe that's exactly what you needed though. Like maybe yeah. that's a really good dad. Again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Yeah. They're kind of, you know, to your point of the person that calls themselves a piece of crap, uh, for not doing the thing, but it's like, at least I'm calling myself a piece of crap. That person mm-hmm. is also like, yeah, I'm a piece of, I shouldn't be in this kid's life. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And it's like, but, but, and I, to me at least, that seems like an aspect of being a good dad that we never give credit to because we're mm-hmm. like, no, you should just stop being you and then be here. And it's like, well, that's a different guy. I'm not oh, going to yeah. lie. That's a totally, yeah, I mean, that, that's like pointing to every guy and being like, you should just man up, take some TRT and join the military. It's like, well, that's not most guys. You know not, I mean? <laughs> it is not one size fits all. This is yeah, not what, yeah. what you love is not what this person loves and, and, and vice versa. Absolutely. I, before I became a dad, I, 
was absolutely terrified because it's like talk about a new you don't you don't have anything to base on I, I you mm -hmm. know like I did babysitting when I was in junior high but that's about it you know I watched friends kids but like it was just this kind of trial by fire I mean I love it uh, I think mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at it it's it's kind of all I think about in terms of how I yeah, make yeah. decisions and stuff so it's like so there's that but I'm also so selfish that I can't imagine not being in her life you know, like I couldn't, Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the other thing. It's like, because I do get so much joy from it and it, you know, it hasn't affected my life in anything but a positive manner. I mean, it's more stressful and you're always kind of sad in a way because this kid is constantly changing. You're like, what happened to that kid last week? I missed that kid. Who's this kid? You know, yeah. people are always growing and changing, but it's like, I couldn't imagine when I hear about dads who just, eh, he just, he pieced out or he would just, you know, be gone all weekend. It's like, what? I mean, I am gone all weekend. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, you know, doing comedy when my wife is there. And anyway, you know, like, yeah. how how was your family situation growing up? Was it decent? You know, or? Yeah, it was good. My my uh, parents got divorced when I was pretty young. Okay. Um, I can't remember if I was 11 or 13. I think I was 11. Wow. And, you know, so I'm like still fairly young and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, I, I think that growing up with like my mom, my aunt, my grandma and my granddad was was great because I think I got so many different angles mm. of like um, experiences because there were there were points growing up where we were all in the same house. So it, it wasn't as if I like just see my grandparents. It's like, no, I also live with my mom and my grandparents, you know, because like wow. at a young age, my mom had to have brain surgery and we weren't sure if she would live. And so it's like I was already living with with like we basically moved in with my grandparents during the divorce. And obviously we had to stay with them because my mom couldn't work for a little while because she was like still healing and still like going to the doctor. They were checking up on her, everything like that. And and so it was good. And I think that I also just didn't grow up with I didn't have any I didn't have any like truly homogenous experiences growing up. So it's like I w lived in this predominantly black neighborhood, but then I went to like uh, a Montessori school and then I still lived in like predominantly black neighborhood, but then I went to a Catholic school. And so it was like, I had a very like everybody hates Chris growing up situation, ah. uh, except my parents were divorced. And so I think that that helps me a lot in, in how I see people and how I see situations, because it's like, even though I am like more liberal minded and everything, I actually do get where a lot of uh, conservatism comes from because I grew up around it. And, you know, sure. so we went to this like evangelist church as well on Sundays. And so it's like, I got all these angles of being, of what like, especially Southern white people were thinking, but then also I'm black, like being like fully immersed in my like overall black experience. And then seeing all these different angles of what, whiteness is like because then i was also getting a protestant versus catholic I, I, like outlook because when i went to school i had to you at catholic school you take religion class so it's like in order to pass the test i have to memorize these things that these people believe yeah. and in order to be accepted on sunday i have to like memorize these things that these people believe and then all the while i have to like look around at the world as well so mm -hmm. so i think that all those different cross sections really help me and help even now they sort of help my writing because I try to not forget them. And there's mm. like, 
it, it's very easy to just roll in and say the things that the people like you will like. But yeah. I think that so often people like like even when you look at um, I'm you know they they <laughs> they have these like Pandora papers or, or you know, yeah. coming out and everything. And sure. everybody's talking about the tax situation. And it's like, look, I think obviously people should be paying their fair share. The one thing I will say about taxes, though, is like I remember when I got hired at Tonight Show. And so up until then, you have to, you have to remember poor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I get – I oh, wait, sorry. I go to Tonight Show and I'm not, I like I'm making money for the first time in my life. I'm like making money. And yeah. then they, they send me my tax bill and I'm like, yo, guys, I just got here. Can you give me a day? Like yeah. having to having to pay taxes your first year of not being poor is yeah. a lot like if you've never been to a party in your life. Let's say you've never, ever been to a party mm-hmm. and then you get invited to your first party. And then as soon as you get to the door and ring the doorbell, somebody opens the door and they're like, hey, can you go on the beer run? It's like, I haven't even been inside yet. Like, this is wild, you know? And so I I understand where some people are coming from on a a smaller scale. Like when Mm -hmm. we're talking about that, like, lower middle class, middle class, I'm like, yeah, you like even though you all sound like whatever the Republican narrative around taxes is, I get it because I've at least for a year of my life was there where I was oh, like, yeah. wow, I don't even get a break. of, I don't even know if I'm not going to be poor next year. No. Yeah, it's it's this it's it's so touch and go what we do. And we always yeah. feel like it's going to be taken. It's going to because we did kind of get the brass ring. We're doing what we love for money. And whether you're doing really well or you're just getting by, that's that's making it really. And I mean, to your point, I feel like most people are at heart Republican in some sense because it's very self-centered and it's all about I don't want to pay taxes, whatever I earn, I want to keep. You know, the 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 thing I blanch at is like, of course, the guy with like ten houses and he's never paid taxes and like you know, there's public schools are dying. Uh, but like, uh, I remember I saw uh, you know. Like Sam J, who basically has the mentality of a rapper, who's like, uh, you know, an old friend, and she had this bitch. She was at the city winery a couple of months ago, and was like, a girl came up to her and was like, "We have to tax the rich by fifty percent." And she's like, "Quote: I spit on that bitch's shoes." She's like, I'm, I'm, "As you put it, I'm trying to buy a boat." And it's like, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it is that thing of, of, you know. Like I, I'm with you. Like I, I totally relate. It's like I don't align myself with that because I think we live in a society where we have to try to help each other. But man, when you look at your check, especially in California, how much money they take, you're like, yeah. Whoa. Or you're also like, wow, wait, why do I only have to help? Like, right, right, yeah. Like, cause they're, cause they're not helping, and it's legal. Like it, it's it's totally. legal for them to not help. So then it's like as long as they're not helping, let's burn this whole thing down. Absolutely. I don't want to help either. And I and yeah. I think that that, but I I think that that mentality as well is what leads to like a mass attitude. Toward, like that attitude only helps the people who like already aren't. Yeah. yeah. Instead of all of us unifying and being like, do something about this. Mm-hmm. We're all like, well, then I don't want to pay either because the the self. The self-interesting thing is to, nah, guys, I'm not going to pay either. And so I, I, I think that those things growing up, like all those different facets of, 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 uh, 
experiences that I was exposed to have really helped me, at least in in how I approach how I approach comedy and how I approach people approaching me, if that makes sense. Because I also like in comedy, you have to be. I find that like I had a conversation with some comics at the cellar as well that that when I'm interested in what you think about this or mm-hmm. they're like, if you think about it, no one that's very good at comedy. So I'm talking about like really good, like mm-hmm. you look up to them. None of them are dumb. Like, right. It's like you cannot be amazing at comedy and be dumb no. because you have to. There's so much that has to be going on in your brain for you to be good at comedy. Yes. And and I think that one of the things that you need is like a deep, deep, almost painful self-awareness because yeah. knowing how you come off to people teaches you how you can communicate with, with people. You yeah. Know? Exactly. So the same thing you were talking about earlier where you were like, as a tall guy, I have to understand my leverage. It's like mm-hmm. as a as a comedian, you have to understand your leverage. Like maybe yeah. you do this joke and you think it's just a little push and then people are like, you know, like, it's so true. You'll just throw a line out and it'll just it'll just light fire to the room and you're like, what? yeah, that was just a thought I did. OK, right. Keep that one. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I, I do. I do kind of bristle at people like, you know, Bill Burr and Kyle Kinane who call themselves idiots on stage. What do I know? I'm an idiot. But I just think and mm-hmm. it's like, but you're not neither one of the both those guys are incredibly intelligent you know yeah 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 plays the dumb guy but even i mean you know back when we started out he would look at stuff from an angle i'd never thought of Mm -hmm. like wait isn't that and i'd be like oh my god yeah you know i feel like you do a lot of that where you kind of go out and go look i know we agree that this is this is this is this but isn't it also, you know, like you, I see you do a lot of that, which is cool. Sure. Yeah. Well, the other thing, and it's a thing that I look at when you mentioned Burr and Kinane, so I'll just use them as examples. The thing that I, that I think is almost painful is that if you, like you as Matt or Bill or Kyle are dealing with a level of thought that for lack of a better term, let's just say is genius, right? So let's say you have a genius idea. Right. The problem with with um, genius and why people so rarely get it in its time is that yeah. first the person that had the idea has to distill it to themselves. So yes. you already have to figure out how exactly you think, feel, and word this thing to communicate all in your own head. Then as it leaves from your head to your mouth, you have to communicate it in a way that people who are not thinking about the thing that you're thinking will get it. Yeah. And and like and I think that that's what makes comedy so hard sometimes and what makes Mm -hmm. good comedy really hard is because we can all do there's a level of joke and I do it, too. I'm not coming down anybody, um, but there's a level of joke that's just the yuck yucks. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you're just doing the yuck yucks. You're like, hey, this is funny. And then, you know, and then oh, this thing happened to me and it's goofy, whatever. Most of us can do the yuck yucks really well. It's it's yeah. only like three or four times a special almost. So you already have to be like that class of comic to have this amazing hour. There's only right. three or four moments in those hours where someone is like, oh, my gosh, I've never put it together. Or like, mm-hmm. I didn't see the design, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we've all had that situation where we have something that, for one of another way to put it, we find it so funny, you know, yeah, so yeah. we'll say yeah, it's yeah. audience and it just, and it's like, I realized, you know, I, I kind of don't talk about it anymore, but like a couple of weeks ago, I was, I, 
all these articles came out about dads who didn't help during the pandemic. Like they're stuck at home, they can't go anywhere. They they have free time and they're just not helping with these kids. And the wives are going crazy. And they're like, can you look, you you lost your job or whatever. Can you at least help? And it like, it's not, that's not my job. They kind of have this thing and, and like, the whole bit in my head was like, where, where is he going? Like, is he hiding in the backyard? Is he going like behind like a, a, a duvet? What is he, yeah. where is this man? Yeah. And I realized it wasn't that it was, it's it wasn't that it was funny, really, there's no joke there. I just found the idea insane because mm-hmm. I have a house, uh, it's not enormous, you know? I mean, it's, but like, it, it, I couldn't really hide anywhere in that house. And it's kind of like, it would be so, there's, you can you can pretend you're you're working at work, always. If you're in a mm-hmm. job, you can always be like, oh, got to take these files down the hall or whatever, you know. But like, you can't pretend you're parenting. There's just no way. And yeah, the yeah. idea was just so absurd to me. But it's like, yeah, it would never land. But it's yeah, that's because yeah. I just found it enchanting, you know, in its way. Yeah. Well, it's also just funny too because I mean, it. I think there is something very funny about what they were filling their time with because I found that dads are in a perpetual war with grass. Like yeah. every every dad I've ever met, like my dad, my dad when I was little, my dad be like, "Oh, gotta get that grass out there." Like that, like it's, yeah. it's like looking out the window at grass that they have to cut, and some mm-hmm. days doing it, and most days not doing it, oh. and then doing it and being exhausted. Yes. And it's like, I mean, I understand that there are metropolitan areas, but I feel like maybe they just cut the grass extra. I don't know what yeah. you could be doing. Because it, it, it's also it's also a thing where your partner knows that you don't have a job. So yeah. and then I, I guess you can try to make a big show out of looking for jobs. But like, I know I know that you're not. It's like how your coworkers know you're not working, even if you can trick your boss. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because exactly. your boss can be like, well, he's been at the computer all day. He must be doing something. And mm-hmm. then your coworkers are like, he playing Galaga. Yeah. <laughs> the people who do what you do next to you, they know exactly how little or how much you're doing. Like, yeah. No question. Yeah. No question. If this person's on your level, it's almost like when you meet someone and it's a big city and there's lots of rooms, but I'm sure you meet people that are like, oh, yeah, no, I'm a New York comic. And you're like, I've never seen you, man. Like ever, I've never seen you at any yeah. I've never seen you yeah. at any shows. You know, it, it's 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 like it's like you don't put any time in. You know, you're just yeah. Or or yeah, you're like I'm writing a lot now in preparation to begin. So I'm just gonna say I'm a comic now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like and yeah. I, and it, it's one of those things where every once in a while you meet somebody like that where you think they're gonna just be terrible and bomb for like years, and then they actually are like. Oh, maybe this was the right thing for you to do because that was pretty funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, some people it just clicks, and I can't. Yeah. Make it. I'm just like, great. Most yeah. people it takes at least five years to be bearable on it's, stage. It's also so wild because, based off you saying that, there was a, there was a, um, a guy. I'm trying to remember his like not his name. Name. I'm not gonna throw him out there like that. But like, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the place he said because basically. It was this exact situation you laid out. A comic and I were hanging out, and then he started chopping it up with us at the bar. And finally, we asked him because it seemed like he was trying to, like, you know how sometimes people get bitty with you. Yes. 
Okay, so it seemed like he was doing that. So finally, my friend just asked, like, are you a comic? And he was like, yeah. And we we're like, oh, okay. Like, how have you, are you, do you live in New York? Because we were like, okay, maybe he just is like a Jersey guy, Philly guy, whatever sure. comes in. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, and we were like, oh, okay. So where do you, like, where do you go up or anything? And he said the name, <laughs> he said this one place. It's like, yeah, it's like my spot. And then, uh, and then we were like, oh, okay, I've never heard of it. And then we Googled it later and it was like, it was like a, like a karaoke bar. <laughs> and so I was like, dang, my man is like, and, and not, Sorry. I can't hate it. Oh, you're fine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, oh, no, you're okay. Hilarious. That's so funny. I can't even hate it because when I moved to Chicago to start doing comedy, I would go up everywhere that I could. And for whatever reason, there was this one place called the Holiday Club that had karaoke slash comedy, but oh, no wow. one ever went there to do comedy. So, like, I guess just the DJ of the karaoke night loved comedy. Oh, so okay. he would so he would let comics get up, but everybody was there for karaoke. And so I remember I went there the first time and actually did really well. Like nice. I me the dj and i were surprised how well i did i'm like three i'm like three months in I, I like i shouldn't what business do i have doing well yes and and every time after that i bombed so hard like yeah was, oh that's so funny was that and that, was that your first time or no no it wasn't my first time okay. but it was my first time there okay and for some reason the first time there was just magic and everybody yeah. was like into it and people were laughing it was great and yeah. then the, every time after that, I went there three more times before I was like, let me just stop doing this to myself because I'm mm -hmm. not I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm just getting my feelings hurt every time. Yeah. I mean, I I killed the first time I tried stand up. A friend of mine was doing a show and then the booker was like, your friend says you're funny. Uh, and I was like, I've never done comedy. And he's like, I'll give you some free drinks. I was like, OK, I'll try it. And so I like wrote what, what I thought would be a good bit. I had a ton of friends in the audience. So, you know, I did great and I was like, oh man, this is easy. And like, every, I, I bombed for like months after that, you know, like yeah, I, I, yeah, I had yeah. been doing improv. It's like, it's just the worst possible thing that can happen to you when you first try it as you kill. It's just like, yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I think that as well, it was nice because my first few times doing it were just okay. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't bad enough to like really be a, a, a true sniper shot to my ego, but it didn't go so well that I thought I was good. Right. Right. Okay. Well, that's you know what I mean? So then mm -hmm. you're like, oh, okay, I, I, I definitely didn't do as well as that other guy. So mm -hmm. I'm somewhere on the spectrum, which is yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy going up on the bill with people that would just destroy and I would do okay. I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. learning. This is cool. Like, I didn't embarrass myself there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know what's crazy as well is with bombing, you know, here's the thing. When it is in certain situations, watching someone bomb is like, is like such a wild and beautiful experience because you're, because you're seeing them. Sometimes they snap, sometimes like sometimes, but it's like, you never want to, I never personally, this is just me. I never want to see someone bomb. Even no. when I don't like someone, I don't want to see them 
it it's it feels so bad and i oh. feel for them that yeah. i ever wish it on somebody but if it is already happening <laughs> if we're already in it and something funny comes from it because i find that like the level of honesty that you get when you're bombing and you acknowledge it is never not funny no like yeah. to me that wins people back when oh, you're absolutely like, when someone just you know when they i always say you you if you know, it's almost like a tenant of therapy. If you don't feel good, say you don't feel good. If you're sad, say you're sad. You know, if you're eating it on stage, don't be like, ah, you guys are great. Um, so, uh, what else is, you know, like, oh, just call yeah. just say you're not doing well. It's going to get a reaction. People are going to like yeah. that, you know, like one of the most spectacularly wild bombs I ever saw. I had just moved to New York. I was at an open mic and and for anybody who's like I don't I don't know all the listenership, but for anybody who is doing comedy, either thinking of moving to New York or you already live in New York and you're about to start doing comedy, this is like a thing. This is not you. This is what will happen. Okay. When you move to New York and you start open micing and stuff, there's a lot of buckets. And the bucket system is to try to make it almost like a raffle so that it's a bit more fair because right. if it was a list, then like people who know the 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 person the host of the mic would just text them before can you put me on the like it yeah. creates just too much tension so mm -hmm. there's a bucket now even the bucket is rigged let's not let like let, ah. like let's not lie to ourselves that you know if you if you as matt came and for whatever reason you were like i need to do three minutes on this one bit let me just go over to this mic they would just put you up like they they okay. would they they do the bucket but then they'd be like oh funny enough Matt yeah special dispensation yeah yeah sure, sure. okay so I go to New York with two of my friends uh, Amy Shanker and Jeff Sheen we all three of us moved from Chicago and we're all it's like it's like so obvious because every mic that the three of us go to we're last and we're like guys no one's this unlucky how are we last every time there's no way there's yeah. no way. So then there was a mic that I went to by myself and I don't even know if they do this mic anymore, but there was a guy that that blew my mind. So the the bucket only had 15 names in it. So already you're like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna be here for like 45 minutes at most. I can stay and watch everybody. It's not like a three day long mic, you know? Cause some of the ones that are like four hours are just too much. You just want to get up and go. Of course. So this guy, they say his name and he's got First of all, he's got shades inside at nine o'clock at night. Nice. And as he's walking up, he like makes a big show of like walking up there. Mm -hmm. And immediately I'm like, oh no. Cause I'm not so new to comedy that I don't know what's about to happen. Like, like I'm like three years in, you know? Yeah. And so he he starts doing his set and my man is just like bombing, right? And and I'm like, oh man, like yeah, I'm I'm like in my head, I'm like rooting for him, and he's just bombing. And then out of nowhere, he just grabs the mic a little tighter, and he goes, <laughs> like starts screaming. And so then it perks up everybody at the bar. So even the people who weren't paying attention are looking now, and he's like, I'm so sick of this. All right, people tell me I'm funny at work, and then I come here and nobody laughs, and I just want to get paid to do the thing that I like. This is great. And then, uh, and then he he also he also goes and like goes like like screw this, this is crazy. And then he puts the mic back in the stand, and we're all just like wide eyed. 
and he goes to step away and at the last second he grabs the mic and he's like hey you ever notice how and like tries to do another joke no, 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 no. tries tries to do another joke and then and then it bobs because now we're so we're so like taken aback we're so shell-shocked from him yeah. screaming that right like we, we we don't even notice the joke so then he's like ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like he's like he like puts the mic back in the mic so he's like screw everybody here this is crazy i can't believe i'm doing this with my life and then he takes like maybe three steps so then the host actually stands up and starts walking to the stage like i guess i'm gonna just keep the mic going and then he runs back one last time and he's like y'all y'all ever remember when and then does <laughs> does tries to do this joke no. that, that does it's the it's the worst joke he's told it like it, it didn't even seem to have an ending and oh. he just he, and then he puts the mic back in the mic stand and lets out like such a deep bellowing scream he's just like ah, 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 ah. and then he like walks off walks off the stage walks out the door and i and i was so sure he was coming back with a gun like like i've never been more sure somebody was coming back to shoot up a place than that guy and he did he didn't come back but but it was it was like even that i was like well you had our attention yeah you uh we won't forget you like i I'm, I think we mentally scrub when we see someone bomb. Mm-hmm. You, you, your, your brain just kind of erases. You always remember, oh, that person killed that. Remember that joke? I, I have that. That joke's in my head now. It's a good joke. When someone eats it, it kind of goes away. Unless you yeah. really try to remember, like, who have I seen bomb last? You really yeah. got to find that memory. People are going to remember him because he screamed. Like, yeah. He couldn't get a laugh, so he traumatized the audience. Like, yeah, and they yeah. thought when he left, he was gonna drive his car like through the front of the restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like it was... okay, this is this is emotional hostage taking, dude. Like, this is not. And it was also the wildest thing about it is at the mic, you only get three minutes, so it's like it did. That means it did take long for him to snap. Like. <laughs> At least in Chicago, Chicago get the light yet it started screaming. Yeah, like Chicago, you get five minutes. Sometimes you get, yeah. you know, whatever. But like New York, there's just so many comics. You only get two to three, and and so then my man, he probably in his first minute and a half, and just ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing, dude. Thank you for that story. Okay, on that we we okay. Let's get to the calls. Let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Do you get asked advice? I always ask everybody on the show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not surprising to me at all. It's funny. My favorite answer to that question was uh, a partner and chairless said like, yes, but I think because they know I won't be a jerk. You know, like they know oh, I'm going to yeah, say something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? You yeah. liked it, right? Come on, Aparna. Yes, <laughs> yeah. You know, because she's such a sweetheart. But, yeah. you know, I could see you getting asked advice, though, because you just, you, you're definitely, when you can tell from your act, you're, you're a thinker. You know, like, I feel like you consider things. So, Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think also sometimes, especially when I'm on the train in New York, I just have a face that says, you want to talk. Right. <laughs> That's got to be tough. Yeah. And then people, Man. oof. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, luckily, we won't see any of these people. Um, I don't hear any of the calls. Renee listens to them. We got uh, a couple people called in. Uh, one person wrote. So uh, if you're ready, we'll roll the first call. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Hello, my name's AJ. I'm a comedian. 
although I live in the middle of nowhere, I really made the whole Zoom comedy thing work for me. And I guess you can kind of say the same thing about my friend, who's also a comedian who lives in the same middle of nowhere town. But my friend wants to do a trip to New York City for comedy, which I think is great, except I don't think he's ready to go to New York City. Um, I don't even think he has five minutes of material yet, and he hasn't really been booked on the shows that are around here, Um, and I feel like I really should have talked him out of New York City earlier, but now I just, now we're like two weeks from going, and I don't know what to say. I don't want to just watch him embarrass himself in New York City. Um, yeah, what can I say to my friend to make him reconsider this trip to New York City without me sounding like a big jerk and without me backpedaling on what I've already said, because I didn't realize he had such high expectations of New York City. I thought he just wanted to see his Zoom comedy friends. Thank you. Okay. So I'll let you take first crack. I think I know what I'm going to say, but you go ahead. Yeah. Especially because you are a New Yorker. So. Yeah. I would say I don't think you need to talk him out of anything. I don't think you did anything Uh wrong. I think that every experience is worth having. Uh, So... You know, even if he comes here and then realizes he doesn't quite have the time or realizes he can't get up on the shows that he wants to get on, I think that New York as an entity and, and as a as a place that it sounds like you're coming together, I think it would do both of you well to go see shows at the cellar, to go hang out at um, the stand, to, you know, be around New York Comedy Club and um, to also go to Brooklyn and see what those alt and indie shows are like. And I think that make make the time that you're here especially to say that you are sort of starved for uh places to get up and and things to do being in that quote unquote middle of nowhere i think you can make new york your own masterclass for as long as you want to and you can do that with trips all across the country chicago is great um la as long as you're able to like get a, like i would say bring a car if you're going to go to l like you can't just go to one show per night in la try to make it to a couple of them but in new york especially it's so easy to get around and there's a ridiculous amount of places to get up mm-hmm. that i think that really making the most of it taking the advantage of it i don't think you've said anything wrong to your friend i would just say to temper uh you know his expectations in a way remind him and i don't know if you've been new york or not but remind him that new york is this is a bad place like like i think that sometimes people because it's like big and beautiful and iconic people think of it with all of these things that are in the movie but you have to remember that the movie took out all the other parts so like even even in my act i've started talking about how like it it feels like society as civilization as we know it is winding down because i saw a slow rat and i'm like that's it yeah that's that's a slow rat i saw a rat that wanted to run and was just out of breath and it's like not and people say that only in new york thing but it's like it's true it's like there are nasty things that happen here and there are genuinely harrowing things that happen here that only happen when you pack this many people on top of each other so it's not as if new york is a special place in that way like la could become new york if you brought enough people there 
Yeah, and you and you smushed them all together. Mushed like, them, you know, because yeah. there's plenty of people in L.A. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's that's the best thing you can do. Don't beat yourself up. You haven't done anything wrong. And yep. if you want to temper some of those expectations, remind your friend where they're going. Mm -hmm. They're go they're going to a place where people that are very very funny, like like funny in oh. a way that is like you could feast on it. They quit here. You know, like it's like yeah. it's like there's nothing reassuring about this city. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I, it, it 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 is the dream crusher. I mean, it it there's no there's no uh, well, let me spare your feelings here, kind of thing. You know what I mean? It just kind of doesn't yeah. exist in New York, and that's why it's such a great testing ground. Where I'll still go to New York and have like, you know, oh, I had a good set. It was decent. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. because it's just, it's the NFL of stand-up. It's like, you know, you see the best of the best every night. Every yeah. night you go somewhere and you see someone and be like, that was brilliant. Or I can't believe how hard that person crushed. And one thing I learned about New York is I don't just, I don't bring material like, oh, this is my best material. I just got to feel what's right in the moment because that's what New York is. It's something spur of the moment and it's like, yeah, so I mean, so I, I really don't have anything to add. I think you nailed it in terms of it's just really don't don't overthink it and don't expect too much and be careful. Yeah, you know? because I don't I think you would be making a mistake to not come to get you and your friend to yeah. cancel that that yeah. I think would be too too much. I think still come because like to what Matt is saying, the level of shows you're going to see. And I'm not even saying this as someone who's like, oh, we're just better because I live here or something. I'm saying like I. I, there are people that I watch when I go to shows that I'm like, oh, man, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always. You know? Always. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it is it's 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 crazy. But the, but it's like, don't don't let, you know, you know, not to sound mystic, but like, don't let that scare you. Let that free you. You know? Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. Because yeah. because don't get me wrong, when you come, the thing that I love about New York is that it's the whole spectrum. The worst mm -hmm. comics I've ever seen in my life are here, and the, <laughs> and the best ones I've ever seen in my life are here. It's it's everybody. It's like wealth. The richest yeah. and the poorest live in New York. Yeah, like each other. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So hope hope that helped, uh, AJ. And uh, and yeah, don't you sound you sound f way more. F way too freaked out you shouldn't be so freaked out uh, it's just a trip um uh okay let's roll next call hey matt uh my name is shane i'm a huge fan of your stand-up ever since i discovered shovel fighter um thanks i wanted to ask you as uh well i'm, I'm 26 and i've you know mostly just lived with my mom for this portion of my life so far. Um, lived with an ex for a few years, did a little time in city jail, and now I'm back with my mom. And I guess my question for you is, um, as a comedian who's done a lot of touring, um, what would you say would be a good spot, other than Nashville, for musicians? Um, I'm, I'm a musician. I've been to Nashville and LA a couple times for, you know, band related trips. And my band is sort of kind of defunct or on hiatus, whatever you want to call it right now. And, you know, I'm trying to relocate and start over. Um, 
And, you know, of course, I have my mom telling me the grass isn't always greener and all that good stuff, but I hate it where I live, and um, I'm pretty sure I pissed off a lot of the people who live here with me. So, that you know, they hate me too. And the grass may not always be greener, but I'm pretty sure it's better somewhere else if you killed all the fucking grass on your side, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if uh, you're wondering if I'm in therapy, you guess correctly. I know you're not my therapist. Good. Yeah, and any advice that you would have for a musician? Um, I I love Nashville, and I even love LA, but LA sounds kind of fucked up right now. So, and I don't really want to move to Austin, I don't think. But maybe you can change my mind. Uh, thanks, man. Bye. Hey, dude. Thanks for the kind words. Thanks for calling in. Sounds like you're 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 feeling rough. Let me just say this right off the bat. I mean, you're 26. That's so young. Like, not that, you know, uh, uh, makes you um, more, more, or excuse me, less responsible for any of your mistakes or things like that. But it's like, it, what it does give you is time. You've got a lot of time. Definitely, you know, move if you want to move. And if that helps you, it helps your mental health and you've got enough money to get by or you have a job in place or you think you can, great. I always say, I'm always going to say, take the risk. Just take the risk, uh, as long as it's calculated and, and all that jazz. And if it makes you makes you happier, it sounds like you're miserable. So if you're miserable living with your mother, move out. Um, but as far as where to move as a musician, dude, I couldn't really even tell you where to move as a comedian. And I've been doing that for 20 years. I mean, it's 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 kind of. I think you just kind of get, get online and do research and find out the kind of ecosystem you want to be a part of, and then go to that one. I think. You know, Nashville is, you want to get out of there, but I would say that'd be good. But Austin, Chicago, I mean, I think err on the side of big city and start from there knowing you can always move. So that that would be my advice. I just don't know anything about the music game at all. So what, what would you add, Josh? Um, so I think that everything that you're saying right now is pretty spot on about, I feel the same way, but mm -hmm. I, I think that the one thing, and maybe I missed it, in the in the the call okay i'm worried i'm worried about any advice to give on where to move because i'm not sure what city he's in so then that might i might say the city that he's yeah. in now and then he's like oh geez well then if 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 i'm not mistaken i think he is in nashville right now i think oh, oh okay because i thought he was thinking of moving to nashville or la but maybe he's in nashville. Oh, he's, yeah and i think that's why he said anywhere to move besides nashville and then oh, later I on, see. he was like, okay. he was like, he was like, look, Nashville's great, but you know, yeah. I, mean, I think, yeah, I did indeed mishear him. That, but, but uh, I could have misheard him too. But let's just go from that assumption. So, that, so, that, but okay. I, I will say, I think that you're absolutely right, Matt, in being like, err on the side of big cities and err on the side of music cities because. Just like with comedy, no matter where you tell a comic to move, you're telling them to move somewhere there's other comedy they can watch. Yeah. So most of what being an artist is, is being in conference with other artists. So Correct. you don't want to move somewhere just because it's cheap and then there's not as much art there and then you, you don't grow, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know that... I know that when I was in Chicago, I knew lots of... Um, 
cool places to go to listen to music like live music and stuff like that but i also know that it's it's but with with the internet where you live matters so much less because yes. you can send out things you're mm -hmm. you, you know you can upload to spotify yourself through DistroKid. you can um you know collaborate with people with with the you know sending them stems and stuff so it becomes a uh, less a matter of where you move for your career and more a matter of where you move for your mental health and everything and so i think that if you really love music and you're looking to make changes and you're looking for a fresh start that's a very fair assessment on how to do it because moving is like one of the reasons it sucks is the same reason it's awesome. It's like you're you're chucking out all of your lived experience so far. Mm -hmm. You're chucking out all of your familiarity with your surroundings. I, I think that moving, like, like Matt was saying, doing a little bit of research and seeing what, especially for your genre, because one of the things that I think sometimes people, okay, I'm just trying to think of the best way to word this. So the same way that, when you are trying to make money right you look for um a weakness in the market and you look for something that the market is not offering and then you create a service out of that and then everybody comes to you because you're the only one that has it right whereas when you're making art you actually want to be where the saturation is because with the saturation you're that is how you get in conference with other artists and you learn from them you collaborate with them you come to like an understanding of how to do things you never would have known how to do before um so i would say you know i think memphis is great i mm. think it's i think it's really cool i don't know the genre of music you're doing but i would say look up which cities have the best music of your genre that you're into and yeah. and like the best community mm -hmm. but i love memphis especially if you're trying to err on the side of cheaper because then new york and la won't necessarily be your friend no i mean i wouldn't even say chicago either I mean, yeah, it's, it's like it's, Chicago barely, man. Like Chicago yeah. is because I was coming from the South as well. Like when mm -hmm. I moved to Chicago, I moved to Chicago from Louisiana. So okay. even though Chicago is on the cheaper side of those big cities, yeah. it's still not cheap. No. And it, it like most places, it got carved up that you can't even. I mean, I was in Bozeman, Montana, and like it blown out. No one can afford, no locals can afford houses. And most of them are like can't afford rent anymore. And it's just mm -hmm. like. You know, we live it. It's it's the era we live in, and I hope I hope that gets rolled back. They need to break up some of these companies, and, but like, yeah, it's it's you're up against it. So I think, yeah, what you said in terms of finding, and it's you made made a made a really good point that made me think about, you know, you you not only want to be in a community, but you want to be fed your art. So you kind of want to be seeing people that are doing it on far higher levels than you. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, getting that ebb and flow and kind of going like, and also just like we, you and I see a lot of comedy or around a lot of comedy and it helps us not write the same joke as somebody else and have the yeah. same style as somebody else. And I'm sure that's, that's, that's important as a musician. If you've got this whole persona or whatever, the songwriting style, singing style, and you go and there's someone that's better looking and they do it better. And they're, you know, and you're like, man. Why have I been practicing like this all this time? This guy's been doing it and he's like the wonder kid. And I'm, yeah, know. yeah. And so, and did I'm, maybe I missed this as well, but did he say what his like instrument or genre Nothing. was? Nothing. Okay. Because I think yeah. that it's also a thing of like 
the good thing about moving to where there's saturation is if you're trying to be in a new band, let's say you do drums or you play guitar and you're looking for another band or another sense of community to jam with in that way, you're going to yeah. find that in bigger places, you know? Right. So find those tertiary markets. Like um, I wouldn't necessarily suggest Atlanta because Atlanta is way more uh, like hip hop oriented. If sure. you're not doing that type of music, you might right. feel a little lost in that mix. There's jazz there, but like Atlanta is known for like hip hop and stuff. Yes. But I think, I think Memphis has a good mix of everything. I think that's a great idea. And it's also, you can probably afford to live there uh, relatively inexpensively. And that's, that's when you're an artist, that's half the battle. I mean, you, you, yeah, can't, yeah. you can't be, you know, spending all your time, you know, on, on a, on a job that will lead to be a career. Really. You just have to have something that covers rent and food. So, you know, so hope that helps, man. And, and you, you sound really effed up and you shouldn't be, uh, you know, you've got a lot of time and I, I think you just need a, 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 a swift kick in the head from the mystical perception foot, because I think it's just, you just, you have to, you have to shift focus because it yeah. sounds like you're focusing on your miserableness. And I understand it's hard not to, but you got to turn away from that a little bit. So also 26 is like, you can't even appreciate how good your back is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like looking for problems. You don't understand what's what's going to come. You know what I mean? When you get yeah. when you get in your 40s and a couple of your friends have died, you know, like then you're then you're like, okay, you understand and, what true sadness is. You know? Yeah, and don't get me wrong, it's like, look, if you've been to if you've been to jail and you've like had your had your back and forth with bandmates and like people totally. around you that you live there, I understand how it can feel trapping. Yes. Like truly like, like, yes. oh man, I don't, I don't know a way out of this thing, but, um, there is the upside of time because if you were 52 and had all those problems, it'd be, it would be so much worse. Cause you'd have very, you'd have less to look forward to, Yes, you know, there's still time for you to turn all of this around, yeah, you know, absolutely. and I, I hope that, I hope that you both like find that and feel that there's, there's yeah. so much opportunity left, you know? Absolutely. And it, you know, it's hard to get perspective and I'm not discounting your pain at all. I know you've been through it, but just understand you shouldn't be kicking your own ass because life will do that anyway. You know, yeah. just, life will kick your ass. Don't kick your own. Uh, okay. Hope that helps. We got one more. Basically I did, a, I put a thing online to ask, um, you know, anything, one question and you know, we got the, the stock question, but we haven't, we covered this a little bit esoterically, but just for the last one, how do you come up with material? So I feel like we all kind of do that. We all get asked that about as much mm -hmm. as how'd you get started. I've never really asked how'd you get started. It's never fun, but like, how, how do you come up with your material? Yeah. Well, get, give me one second. I'm going to put this, the light fell. So I'm going to oh, do it. Do your thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, you know, basically I, I have the, the like hot streaks and the, and the low periods of, of feeling creative. And mm -hmm. I think that working a daily show, working at tonight show have helped because it taught me how to write when I don't feel like it. So then I don't have to wait for inspiration or anything. Nice. But I think the way that I, the way that I write is that I try to write through um, what I take away from conversations, like mm -hmm. the dad thing. It's like that genuinely is just a conversation that I had with my friend after all the things he was saying about 
how his kids have been doing. Yeah. And then we started like chopping it up about that because I was like, you're like a good dad and a good dude. And that's that's rare. <laughs> like like because then you have good dudes that are bad dads when they right. don't even mean to be bad dads they're just like oh i didn't know it was important to go to the soccer game they're all five they're not good why would i go like there's no championship like i would go if he was like at FIFA. like if he was you know what i mean the world cup i'd go but they're, they're five why yeah, would yeah, i yeah. go this and is then, his time yeah yeah and then you have like good dads that are bad dudes yes. where it's like they love their kids so much and they want to be in their life, but they can't seem to like stay out of trouble or they can't yeah. seem to, you know, like those people also exist where it's like, mm -hmm. guys, the only no I way, the only way that I know to make money is to do something terrible. So yeah. I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's mob bosses that are great fathers. Yeah. You know? The kid, yeah. the kid doesn't even know the kid's no, like, I, I don't know. I thought my dad was an accountant. Turns totally. out. Yeah, He's been cracking like, eggs in New Jersey for years. I feel like people generally treat their family as their own. It's like that's their charity mm -hmm. where they they will run over someone in the street. They don't mm -hmm. care. Any, everyone else can go to hell as long as my kids are happy. It's just kind of like this. It's a weird psychosis. It's insane. Yeah. And so I think that that that's basically how i do it's like i write through what i take away from conversation from what i take away from experience and mm -hmm. uh yeah. from what i take away from like any random thoughts that i have so you know it, okay like a good example is um a conversation that i had with my friends at a show so i was at a show i was i was up next and i noticed that um the comic before me talked about how her parents had been married for 40 years and everybody mm. clapped and i was like why do people do that why do people clap yeah. when we tell them how long people have been together because you can't you yeah. can't honestly tell me that those were 40 good years those were no. 14 good years with some other years in between you know and i yeah. and i feel like it's weird that we clap just out of like you know we weirdly enough we clap for like war vets and married people and the different, the only difference between married people and war vets is that married people are at war with each other, you know? Yes, so then right. we, we go ahead, we're like, wow, y'all been fighting for 15 years bravely. Give yeah, it up you, for them. You, you, you know what I mean? it out. You're in the trenches. Yeah. I'm surprised married people don't get to board early. Like, like that's, that's the same way that we let war vets like, Hey, oh, just yeah. for sure. It's like, if you've been, uh, if you like, they'd be like, uh, you know, anyone needs special assistance. Okay, now anyone who's been married longer than 20 years. Um, yeah, we would love for you to be able to boarding. board at this time. Or at this and, time. And I, I think that those things, like having that conversation with them, like I didn't try it on stage right after that or anything, but just the thought got going in my head of like, why is that? And then I went yeah. to the place of like, well, you know what's crazy is I think that those could be 40 good years if we broke them up. So actually what should happen, what should happen, whether you're happily married or not, we should break you up every five years. There should be term limits on marriage because then you want to get back with the person. Yes. Then you're like, then you're walking uh -huh. out the street and you run into your wife and you're like, I can't wait to get her back. Oh yeah. That's going to be a good yeah. day. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Then we have to be another six months left of this year that we've been court ordered to be a part to keep our marriage fresh. 
Man, yeah. I miss you. Yeah, yeah, I miss you a lot because then you get to see like people always when they're in it, when they're deep in it, they think like their life be somehow different and they, they actually get out there. But sadly, it's like you usually need a divorce or a bad breakup where you're not going to get yeah. back together to see. But it would be beautiful to show people it's like, oh, no, it's what it's like out here. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now you get to go back. That'd be beautiful. And then you could even have like with the term limits. You could also have campaign promises in between. So it's like, uh -huh. listen, if you renew with me, all right, look, I know, I know before it wasn't going well. Okay. I know that before I was, I was kind of, I was kind of messing reflected. around and everything. I have done soul searching. I please now, look, I, we, we are bringing jobs back to this house. Okay. There will be benefits and there will be a sharing of chores. Do you understand? Yeah. And I, I will pick up after myself. I've been doing that on my own. Uh, yeah, just reelect me. All right, Please. I need this. Please, I need this. <laughs> yeah. So I, I that, overall, like those things go into process of just trying to be present, trying to write through experience, and then the the second half of it for every comedian, I think, is just like writing the rest of it on stage. So yes. you never want to. Some yeah. people say that they write on stage only in a way that I'm like, nah. I don't know about that because no. that that like that seems a little lazy. Mm -hmm. I think that you you write the first half in your head, whether you write it down or not, doesn't matter. But yeah. you write the first half in your head and then the second half is through performance and through repetition. You figure yes. out what the joke is, you know? Yes, I think I think one of the, the most damaging things for young comedians was uh, ever ever seeing like Dave Chappelle live just in a regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave started at 18 and never thought comedians had material. He never wrote any, you know, he, Dave is, but he's a savant. Like he's just got that gift that he can yeah. go on stage and be like, I'm just going to talk about my day and crush, find a way to crush effortlessly, you know? Mm -hmm. So the amount of comics I saw, especially at like the UCB in LA, I'd see comics that would just get on stage and be like, I'm just going to talk. And like, and it would be, be wouldn't that, wouldn't that be crazy? That'd be, man, that'd be crazy. Anyway, uh, you know, like nothing, <laughs> nothing, you know, you didn't have anything. You just, you, you yeah. had a thing that if you're talking to my friends, they would be like, oh, it's fascinating. I mean, there's a girl who was evidently, she was in like a heavy metal video and she just kept saying like, I, but I, I, and I, I mean, I can't believe I was in this heavy metal video, you guys. Like, yeah, great. Yeah. What about it? How did it make you feel? <laughs> you got to write something about what was real about it. What, you know, like don't, you can't just say something different and it yeah. just, you know, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole, like, I definitely write on stage, but you're right. I got to have a root. I got to have an idea. Yeah, I, just something. Yeah, uh -huh. it's not it's not about, I think some people go too far either way. There are some people who are like, in order for me to have written, I have to sit down for an hour, write in a notebook, and make sure it's like, you know, at least 12 of the jokes are gold, or I can't get up from the desk, whatever those right, things are. Right. But then there's also people, like you said, who are just like, I'm just going to talk and see what happens. And it's like both of those things are too rigidly no. like expecting of something. Yes. And you, you, you're, you're not you're not that person. Like, yeah. That person is exceedingly it's almost like, you know, like you can be in the army, but there's a guy that can, you know, shoot a quarter from 200 yards in high wind or something like that's not. Yeah, that's not. It's like you guys are on the same team, but I mean. You know, you don't don't expect to get up in the crow's nest and and make that shot because you're wearing. Yeah, because it also took that other person twenty years of doing that thing to get again, to that place. Because again, again. 
game. I'm sure a young, like I've watched young Chappelle stuff, and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a very calculated joke. Yes. Like those yes. Def Jam years were very like yes. specific. You can tell he wrote this joke. Mm -hmm. And then it's years later that he gets into this like, I think I'm just going to stay up here past my hour 15 of material and then right. play. Mm -hmm. And then now it's like, well, I'm just going to play the whole time because I'm yeah. that good. It's like you don't start booking acting roles until you don't need them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just <laughs> yeah. show up and you're like, what's the line? Great. All right, guys, peace. And they're like, I like his style. He's mm -hmm. relaxed. Everyone else is like, should I leave the door open? And you guys, okay, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. You know, and like, you're yeah. never forgetting it. Once Chappelle stopped caring, like stopped, or not caring, but worrying, mm -hmm. you know, about, look, you might laugh, you might not. I'm just going to try this, you know. Yeah. Smoke my cigarette, sit on this stool. You know, like, it is funny. The difference between young and old Chappelle is just night and day. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Have you ever heard the conspiracy theory? What's that? That he that the new one isn't him. What like he went to Africa and someone else came back or Yeah. <laughs> that that's a that's a real conspiracy that because oh. they're like, no, because how'd he get that ripped? And it's like working out. Working out. That, that's how that's how that happened. Free, free time and, 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 and liquidity. The guy has more money than God. Like, I mean, so it's it's just a funny. I don't know. Like, I love little super because those oh, conspiracy oh. theories I love because they're so obscure that nobody knows them. Yes. So when you tell people, they're like, "What?" <laughs> I had a hairdresser uh, hair, uh, at, at at when I was on Mad TV that would tell me the wildest, like, "Oh, you didn't know so and so's gay? Yeah, they live with so and so." And you're like, "Stop it! What?" They're married to women and they have kids. Nah, that's all for show, honey. And you're like, wait. But you'd go, oh, I could see it. They would, yeah. you know, they would always say someone that you're like, oh my, you just blew my mind. And yeah. I, I, I was that guy. I'd be like, are you, are you fucking like seriously, seriously? And he'd be like, yeah. And they were dead serious. And to this day, I wonder. You know, I'm not yeah, gonna be that yeah. person who's like, you know, running around asking people that know them or something, but. I don't. It, I'm. I'm with you. It's like that stuff is fascinating. That it's just it's like, like. What if it is? It's know? like it, and some of them don't make any sense at all. But you're like, right. it makes a thread enough of sense that I can see how people repeat it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> insane. I won't even. I won't even say what the the, the some of the people because I don't. You know, it's like if it, yeah. look, if they are in the closet that bad and they feel the need to hide, okay, that's not. It's yeah. Not yeah. Like, you know, share it on this podcast. And sorry for listeners flipping out right now, but I also feel like you could and should write from conspiracy theories. Because it's like, you know what you know what's wild about conspiracies is that it's exactly how you write jokes. We mm -hmm. all saw the same thing and you yep. came to a different conclusion. Totally. Absolutely. And so it's like I feel like writing from conspiracy what if that's a new dude? What what if? <laughs> what that would be wild if that's a new dude? Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, that new dude is very cigarettes all the time. Yeah, it's like that new dude is very big. <laughs> very big. Yeah, he dresses much more stylishly. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. he kill the old Chappelle himself? Because he looks like he could. Right. Or is the old Chappelle giving him jokes and paying him? You know what is? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to come back. Doesn't want the limelight anymore. He's with his family. Who You're knows? big and bald. Go ahead yeah. and go by place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just sign this NDA. Okay, great. We're in business. Yeah. 
Well, Josh, this was fantastic, man. Uh, I can't believe how much time we did in it. It didn't feel like it was going by slow at all. That was that was great. I feel like I got to know you better, which I, is my favorite thing about doing this show with someone I know, but I don't know that well. So I appreciate you taking the time. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug before you go? Um, yeah. So if you go to basically anywhere that you listen to comedy, um, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, everything, I have my latest album from my special hashtag that you can find. Um, and then I also have my mixtape that I put together during the pandemic called Elusive. That's everywhere that you listen to music. And then I Like You is my first album, and that is also everywhere that you listen to comedy so i'm just excited for those people to check out those things hashtag just came out uh, a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. so i'm just excited for people to listen that's awesome man congratulations thanks again for coming on this was awesome yeah thanks for having me good to see yeah. you good to see you man we went deep that was great if you uh, need any advice you want to be a part of the show leave a message anonymously at 323-763-0228 again that's 323-763-0228 Thanks. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.